we will rejoice in the name of Jesus now and always. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Man, that was fun. Isn't that great we have a, a Lord that we can rely on like that? That's exact. Amen. We can keep praising. It's not just for the music time. You know, it's a little bit what we're going to be talking about today. And I, I want to sort of give you an idea of something to think about as we start. We're going to circle back around to it later. But what's your favorite sin? Everyone just went like this. <laughs> what's your, like, your friend or your husband or wife's favorite? I'm kidding. Don't do that. We, we've got stuff that gets us, though, right? There's that one thing that the devil knows that he can circle back to, and we're going to bite that hook every time. But what we're talking about is a life built around Jesus, a life built on Jesus where we can rely on him and choose to praise him because of our foundation. So we're actually ending a series today. We've called the series, We Are. And it's looking at who we are as Christians, who we are as a church. What do our lives look like? So in Matthew chapter five, verses one and two, we see this. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. So if you aren't familiar with the Bible, here's a quick rundown of what's just happened. So we see John the Baptist. He says, look out, Jesus is coming, the one greater than I. And he does. Jesus actually comes to John the Baptist and is baptized. We see the Holy Spirit descend and rest on him. Then Jesus goes into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days, so he was a little bit hungry. And the devil thinks, ooh, I'm going to get him. I can come and tempt him right now. He's at his weakest. So the devil comes. He's no match for Jesus. He refutes every one of those things with Scripture. And then Jesus goes out and begins his ministry. We see him call his first two disciples. He starts to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And as you'd imagine, it's not long before there are some people following Jesus around. And that's exactly what we see in Matthew chapter 5 here, when they go up on the hillside and he begins to teach them. So we studied this earlier in the year. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount has all sorts of awesome stuff in it. You know, this is the Lord's Prayer, the Beatitudes. It covers everything from worry to worship, from relationships to righteousness, from anger to adultery. All of those things that we struggle with, Jesus addresses in here. And I think it's important to look at this again and to look at the very end of it, because when Jesus is done giving this sermon, he issues an invitation to the people that are listening. And I want to look at that invitation together today because it's an invitation to us as well. So if you're in Matthew, we're going to go to chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verse 24 today. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. And we're going to stop right there for now. We get a sense right away, people who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, that Jesus isn't just looking for listeners, right? He's looking for doers. Jesus has a bunch of listeners. They've been sitting there listening to him for two of our chapters in the Bible. But Jesus says, I've got something else for you to do. You hear these words of mine, and now we're going to put them into practice. He's not just worried about our confession of faith, right? He's worried about our conduct in the faith. And it's not just about whether we love Jesus. It's whether our lives look like Jesus. And I know what some of you are thinking, Jeff, are we just talking about rules and more stuff that I have to do? Aren't we always learning that we're not under the law, that Jesus came to fulfill that? Well, think about it this way. 
the older I get, the more I realize the things my parents were right about. Right? They're here today. Don't let it go to your head. Yeah. Couple things. <laughs> you know, so often the amount of struggle that we go through in our life is sort of inversely proportional to how well we listen to the wiser people in our lives, right? And Jesus is saying that here. He says, listen, I know how this can turn out either way. And I don't want you to hurt. And I don't want you to break when the storms of life come. I've got a way for you to live because I love you. Jesus says to this group, I love that you showed up. I love that you accepted my invitation. But now I've got a next step for you. So how many people here is a really easy, easier than the first question? How many people here would love to change your life for the better? Heck yeah, I want to do that. Well, good news, that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us through here. And th this is an important reminder because somehow in our culture, we've developed this idea that we get credit for just listening, right? And in church world, we get extra credit if we feel convicted. Oh, pastor, that sermon, whoo, made me feel bad today. <laughs> Great, yeah, but what did, you, what did you do about it, Right? And that's what Jesus is saying. I've got things for you to do. I've got another step for you if you're ready to take it, and that's to build your life on my teaching. Coming to me is great. We, we should come to Jesus and accept his love. And we're going to learn that we trust in Jesus. We trust in the promises of Scripture and the things that he says. But then out of that, we live a life that does the things he tells us to do because he wants to bolster our foundations in life. It's like this. This is a common analogy, but the, the practical teaching of Jesus being applied is, is kind of like paint. It's all in the application. So let's say the, the siding on your house is all faded and nasty. If you've got vinyl siding, just uh, be imaginative here or think about your friend's house or something. So let's say I go to the store and I say, my house is all messed up. I need some paint. And they say, oh, here, this is the best paint. Great. Buy that paint, take it home, throw it in the garage. And there it sits. What's going to happen? Well, maybe the HOA, your neighbor, somebody's going to stop by and say, hey, man, your house, your house doesn't look great. Say, oh, no, I got it. I got really expensive paint. It's the best paint. Well, it's not going to do anything if you don't put it on your house. And that's exactly what we're looking at the teachings of Jesus here. You can hear it. You can think about it. You can feel convicted about it. But it doesn't do a darn thing if it's not applied. And I think this invitation's been misunderstood because people like me, unfortunately, have kind of presented this out of order. You know, there's a lot of teaching in Matthew 5 through 7 before we get to this call to action. And the thing that Jesus doesn't say right away is, come and listen to my rules, and then we'll work some other stuff out. He says, no, I love you, I accept you, and I want you to come realize that. Out of that, I want you to start to trust in the things that I say and the promises of Scripture. And then I want you to start to build your life on those teachings because you know that they're true and because you trust in the person of Jesus. But so often the, the first thing that we heard when we went to church wasn't that, hey, Jesus loves you and he accepts you. It wasn't that you can rely on the rock of Christ, on the foundation of scripture. It was what? It was obey. It was do stuff. And often it was do what we say. Here's what Jesus said, and here's some stuff we're pretty sure Jesus should have said. So make sure you follow all that in your life, right? And what happened? A lot of us left the church. Because you're like, I don't need that. I don't need more rules. 
that was never the pattern, and it's not the pattern we saw in the early church. You know, we saw the church grow like crazy because people started to follow Jesus' teaching. They understood that he loved them. They started to trust in him. They started to live their lives that way, and we saw a culture completely transformed, and the world changed because of it. So we come and encounter his love and acceptance. We trust his leading, and we follow him. So he's given us the what. From a relationship with him, we're to follow Jesus' teachings and apply them to our lives, and now he's going to give us the why. Let's continue in the verse we were reading. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house. So Jesus is using an analogy. This is one of my favorite parts about Jesus' teaching is he takes these really complex issues and he turns them into these analogies, these stories that explain them so well. You know, back then it was a lot more common for people to build their own homes. I don't think many, I mean, some of you in here have built your house probably, but it's not as common today. But we've all done some sort of construction, right? You've painted in your house, you've hung a shelf, you tried something you saw on Pinterest, right? With varying levels of success for some of us. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> what are we doing when we do that? We're transforming. We're taking a space, we're taking a wall, we're taking a basement, and we're transforming it from one thing into another. And Jesus starts off knowing that we're going to do this. We're going to build a house. As time passes and as we live, we're inevitably going to be transforming our lives from something into something. And what he's saying is, I want to show you how to have a solid transformation. I want to show you how to transform your life and build it on a firm foundation. And he describes this transformation. He draws a couple contrasts between someone who practices what he preaches and someone who doesn't. Everyone who hears these words of mine, who puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. As where, here's the contrast, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So we see this uh, contrast between wisdom and foolishness, but pay attention, because the contrast between wisdom and foolishness is in their actions. It's in what they chose to do, how they chose to build their house. So the term for wisdom here uh, is understanding how to apply knowledge and experience. So someone who knows how a, like an automobile engine works, that, that person is intelligent, right? But someone who knows how to take it all apart, fix it, and put it all back together, that kind of person, Jesus says here, is wise. And it's important to think about that because knowing this, knowing the Bible front to back, does not make you wise. It may make you intelligent. It may make you a scholar. You could even call yourself a theologian. But it doesn't make you wise unless it's applied. How to apply that knowledge and experience. And Jesus says a person who builds their life around his teaching, who orders their life around doing things his way, is going to gain an understanding of how life works and how to fix things when they inevitably break. And then we have the foolish builder. Oh boy. We could call him the lazy builder. This is the person who knows what needs to be done intellectually and just doesn't do it. It's too hard. I don't, don't want to get all sweaty. I don't work out in the sun any longer than I have to. You know, we all follow a lot of Jesus teaching a lot of the time. We do the really easy stuff. You know, like we love people that are easy to love because we made sure all those difficult people are out of our life. And we tithe because we've got plenty of extra money laying around. But as humans, the one thing we love to do is to do as little as possible, right? To skip steps. 
That's why our spray paint always ends up with drips. That's why you still haven't finished that trim on the stairs from two years ago. Is that one just me? You know, we know a lot of things we don't do, uh, like eating vegetables or jogging. Like, we know they're great. We know it would probably turn out well, but day to day, it doesn't seem to make that much of a difference, and it's just so inconvenient. You know, Jesus drives home this point even more when he describes what the two builders' work looks like, the contrast between the foundations of their houses. One who built on the rock, one who built right on top of the sand. And living in Palestine, Jesus' listeners understood exactly what he was talking about. The easy thing to do was build a house right on top of the sand that you could find everywhere. But only a fool's going to do that. The wise builder, the wise builder would dig down. He would do the extra work. He would dig down until he hit solid rock and build the house on that foundation. Even though it was harder, even though it would cost more money, even though it would take more time. And remember, these two houses would look the exact same on the outside. It's the foundation that's different. I remember a few weeks after we moved into our house, this will be familiar to a lot of you, we had a big rainstorm. So I go down into my basement and guess what I found? Just water. Water just a pouring in. And you know, the worst part is during a storm, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. You just have to wait. You know, when we run into the storms of life, it's not the time to try to fix things. You know, the good news is for me and for a lot of you guys, our, our houses have a solid foundation. Things go wrong, storms come, things break, but they can be repaired because we're built on that solid foundation. There's always gonna be storms, there's always gonna be damage, but we understand that when we're on a solid foundation, we minimize that damage. We're able to rebuild and repair. And that's really what Jesus is saying. You know, when the storms of life come, I wanna help you be prepared so that you live a life of stability instead of just constant disaster. Notice what happens in verse 25. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So the foolish builder who built his house on the stand, he, he faced storms as well, but notice what happened to him. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And Jesus' audience can just imagine the Jordan River coming up to flood stage and wiping it out. We've had some pretty decent storms around here this year, haven't we? It's been a great way to meet the neighbors because all your stuff ends up in their yard. <laughs> We've got this little playhouse. My daughter Sadie's got this little uh, plastic playhouse, and it seems heavy, like it seems like it wouldn't go anywhere, but I can't count how many times this year I've had an awful Easter egg hunt running around the neighborhood trying to find that stupid thing. And it's, it's funny, but it's such a great reminder every single time that happens, what happens when something is not built on a solid foundation. And this happens because we never seem to know when these storms are coming. You know, I mean, we have the weather channel. We have the best intentions. We try to look at the sky, but we never get to choose when the storms come. We never get to choose how bad they are. We never get to choose how long they last. But you know what we do get to choose? We get to choose how we go through the storms of life built on the foundations of Jesus. We get to choose to face them with a life that's been built on the foundation of practicing what Jesus preaches. Or we get to make the other decision. 
We can choose to build a life on the foundation of ignoring Jesus' teaching or twisting it or picking and choosing what we like or what's convenient, and all we do is set ourselves up for disaster instead of stability. There's a, there's a verse in the book of Numbers in chapters 32, and this is one of those verses that you probably know or you've had someone uh, tell you without really knowing what it's about. So Moses is calling a couple tribes to the mat. He says, listen, I, you guys need to cross the river. You need to go to battle and fight with the other tribes, and they just don't want to do it. And then we get to this verse that we know. Let's read it together. Numbers 32, verse 23. He says, but if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure your sin will find you out. How many times have you heard that? Your sin will find you out. You know, the sin they're talking about here is not murder or adultery or, like, cheating on your taxes. It's the sin of doing nothing. It's the sin of not doing what God commanded them to do. And it really clarifies for us that we're not talking about appearing to practice what he preaches, right? We're not, we're not talking about just being good people and looking like good church people. In Matthew uh, chapter 7, where we are, verses 21 through 23, listen to what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Whoa. There's a lot in there, right? These people prophesied, they cast out demons, they perform miracles. How crazy is it that they don't get some sort of points for that, right? But that's not the point. It seems crazy, but guys, we're not the ones who do those things anyway. Power comes from one place. And, and living a life that looks like we're doing things well, even trying to do things in Jesus' name, but not built on the foundation of Jesus, is not what he's looking for. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, Jesus really gets on some people. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. And if you know anything about the teachers of the laws and Pharisees, they did all the right things on the outside. Boy, they appeared to do everything right. They paid, prayed these big flowery prayers and did uh, things so that people would see them. There's such a danger, and this is what they ran into, there's a danger in knowing the Bible but not applying it because it's really easy to quote Jeremiah 29, 11 or Philippians 4, 4, Galatians 6, 9. But it's really hard to throw a verse from a t-shirt or a mug or the lock screen on your phone at cancer or at a relational conflict, right? Or at a crisis of faith. Knowing those things does not mean that our foundation is based on those things. And that's what Jesus is saying, to be careful of. At the end of it, in verses 28 and 29, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. You know, there was something about Jesus' words that made all of those people think. And there's something about those words of Jesus that should make all of us think today. Because we've got a choice to make, right? We can choose to build our lives on this solid foundation of Jesus' teaching, or we can choose to twist it. We can choose to pick and choose what we like, to do most of it. Remember earlier I asked you what your favorite sin is. 
that's the one that gets us. You know, so often it's not that our whole life is out of control. It's just that we haven't turned our lives fully over to God's control, right? We really like to do a lot of things, but we really don't want to do the one thing or the two things. And what Jesus is saying is you're setting yourself up for disaster. It's time to give your life completely over to him, to build your foundation entirely on the teachings of Jesus, entrusting what he said. And if that foolish builder is starting to sound familiar, come on, don't push that feeling away. It's time to think about these things. It's time to pray about this. It's time to figure out what you can change in your life so that that thing doesn't keep getting you and tripping you up and cracking your foundation and giving you issues. You know, the Lord wants to set you up for stability, for a life of joy, for a life where you don't have to worry. I'd love to read Psalm 71, verse 3. This is from the English Standard Version, and I want to read this together as a prayer this morning. Perfect. It says, Be to me a rock of refuge. You can say it out loud with me to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and fortress. Let's pray, Lord. We want to lean on you as our rock. We're so thankful for the scripture that you've given us, for the teachings that you've given us that apply to our lives today just as they did 2,000 years ago. Lord, we can't do life on our own. We've seen it over and over. The storms of life have come and they've broken us and they've crushed us and they've crushed our spirit. Lord, this morning, don't let us do that anymore. Let this be the time that we recommit our lives to you, that we take those things that we like so much and we hand them over, to lean on the promises of scripture and to trust in your words, to trust in your unfailing love and for the plans that you have for us to stop worrying because we know that you have things handled and to stop trying to do the things that we think are best and to lean into what it is that you have for us because there is a life so much greater and so much fuller when we live it with you. Thank you, Lord.